Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, each week we try to give you information, concepts, that help to improve your life, help you to live on purpose, to be more proactive, to be intentional. And today is no exception. I have a colleague of mine that we have met several times at different conferences. He's an expert on career development and helping people to really find their purpose as well. So welcome to the show, Mark Franklin. Mark, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Ken. Thanks so much for inviting me onto the podcast with you. <laughs> anytime, anytime. So, Mark, as we do each time with my guests, I get them to kind of uh, introduce their their background and you know where their journey. So, just tell us a little bit so the listeners get to know you about who is uh, Mark Franklin. Thanks, thanks, Ken. Sure. You know, it's been a very interesting journey. I often do trainings and I ask people to put their hands up if they started their career in the area of uh, career development and career management. And hardly anybody uh, puts their hand up. You know, a lot of us come to this field from other things. And and while I've spent about 12 or 13 years in career management, um, I didn't start here. So I actually started with an engineering background and spent 10 years uh, working as an engineer all over Canada, the United, United States, and Europe. Wow. And, and what uh, kind of engineering degree do you have, Mark? Well, it's systems engineering or industrial engineering. Really, it's the, the magic behind uh, putting people, uh, processes, equipment, and materials together. You know, the black box, in comes materials on the one hand, and out comes a finished car or something like that on the other. And how does that happen? And that systems are industrial engineering. And and I did that for, wow. for many years before going back to school uh, to do a master's degree in counseling psychology. And I can tell you I was the only engineer amongst the counseling psychology grad students um, but what I like to think that I brought to the field was a, a very kind of unique approach, a systems approach, uh, an engineering problem-solving mindset. And what I found in the career development field were just so, so many people with wonderful communication skills and empathy and interpersonal skills, but I did not find a lot of systems. And so I set my mind up to try and figure out how best to do something that I actually found was really interesting and challenging, which is taking all the variables in people and their stories, especially stories, because really um, our calling card at Career Cycles and and One Life Tools, the two companies I founded, uh, it's all narrative and storytelling methodologies. And then how do you take people's stories and all of the variables in them, different kinds of stories, different kinds of storytelling, and turn that into a systematic approach to help people kind of squeeze the juice out of their stories and and turn that into clear language that helps them navigate a whole lifetime of transitions mm. moving forward. So so we've developed this narrative method of practice, and it's now a systematic approach. Uh, we use it in our career cycles, career management practice with, with associates in Toronto and Vancouver. And, and we also use it in One Life Tools where we scale up career management using a game called Who You Are Matters, a web application called the Online Storyteller, and training to help um, all kinds of helping professionals 
counselors, coaches, HR professionals, um, all kinds of people to learn these tools and methods and in turn use them with their clients. So, so we've done a lot of that kind of scaling up now, which is really exciting. And that's why I've met you, uh, Ken, a few times at conferences talking about these tools. I've also been implementing these tools through four-credit career management courses. So I teach a course at the University of Toronto in career management for grad students. Um, I host myself, I, I host a podcast and radio show called Career Buzz. Yes. Yeah, Career Buzz. And and that's uh, that's been a lot of fun. So I really, it's fun here to be to be uh, having the tables turned on me, Ken, and have you be the interviewer and <laughs> me be the interviewee. So that's a, that's a little intro. Okay. Well, thanks, Mark, for that. But I I just want to back up. If you know, if we're thinking about story, you know, what's your story as far as you know, moving out of engineering here? You've done your degree. You've got this success that's going on. You're traveling around the world in different areas. Uh, you know, working in places like Nicaragua or Cuba or wherever it might be, and, you know, through even Africa, too. What um, what really caused you to shift from engineering? As you said, you were the only one in the career development class to, to it. What's your story? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, and people find that fascinating, and, and because I really value stories, I'll share a bit of mine here, but I, you know, I got to say, like, I've now interviewed so many people, and I really do think it's important as people uh, think about their own careers and lives and trying to make choices that they, uh, they focus on, on the, the, the little secret moments that really cause big changes. You know, in chaos theory, we talk about small changes, small inputs that have big outputs, and the butterfly that flaps its wings in one part of the world causing a hurricane in another. And, and here's one little mm-hmm. moment from my engineering career. Um, you know, it's one of those moments, you know, sometimes we use the metaphor of the, the feather that breaks the camel's back, or one of those moments. And, and in the engineering career, you know, I, I, sometimes the problem has to get bad enough for you to actually see what the problem is. And um, when I was working in a big management consulting firm, that was one of the destinations that I thought I wanted to go to for my engineering career, I, uh, I was starting to work for a lot of big manufacturers, and I didn't have a lot of control over which clients I would end up working with. And so I ended up in one of America's largest handgun factories where they make pistols and revolvers. And it was pretty dramatic mm. to be there. Like, just think about the volumes of handguns uh, in America. Um, and I learned later that about uh, 10% went to law enforcement, and but 90% of the production went to those little gun shops sprinkled across America. And, and my job, of course, as the engineer there was to help them be more productive, to get more product through the door, to be more efficient, you know, higher accuracy, better quality, all of these things. And you know, it was one of those moments standing there on the factory floor and the machines are, you know, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, uh, stamping out gun parts and I'm trying to figure out how to optimize production. And I just had one of those moments like, wait a second, what am I doing? You know, I want to, somehow or other, I want to be helping people. And here it looks like not, am I, not only is this kind of benign, but I seem to be hurting people in a way my work is going to make more guns out there and that's not a good thing. And so... You know, it was a moment, and that moment... So you found, you found right at that moment there was a values misalignment for you, and you just pay attention to it. You know, Ken, I wish I had the language of that back then. You know, I would say, yes, a desires. I, I like the word desires to talk about what's important to us, what, what matters. Um, people often use the word values. And now, fully, I have the language 
to talk about that and can share with you and listeners how it was. It was a misalignment of desires. Um, I can tell you when you're in the throes of career crisis um, and you don't have that language and those distinctions, it can feel very overwhelming. And I remember feeling very confused and lost and, well, wait a sec, my identity is all tied up with this engineering profession and this work and who am I if I'm not going to be that? And, and that's a big identity question for people, and it was for me, and it was not easy, and I wish I had spoken to a career professional at the time, but I didn't. And, uh, and you know, figured out finally this is what I, I need to do and, and bring that towards something that might help, and that's how I wound up in the counseling psychology program. Um, it, uh, you know, doing that graduate degree, I, I didn't quit my job that day at the gun factory, but it was... You know, the, the beginning of the end, the, the moment where it was mm. like, I'm now seriously pursuing exploration of other possibilities. And I, again, I wish I had some help to do that. I wasn't as clear as I could be now as we help others create meaningful possibilities and create exploration plans. You know, and I just muddled along and muddled through it as most people do and found my way to, to where I am now. Well, you know, interesting the word that you're using, misalignment of desires, and, you know, just the key word being misalignment and in not uh, paying attention to that. Why do you think, you know, and, and um, you know, our, our good friend and colleague Dick Bowles just passed away, and so, you know, there's, there's so much stats, Mark, about such a very high percentage of the global economy, right, of individuals who are doing work, though we talk about life as well, who are not connected, not engaged, not enjoying. In your opinion and with your experience of working with people for over a decade, what is, what is the contributing factors, what are the contributing factors to the fact that there are so many people who have not listened to this or are not acting on it or, or kind of stuck in this silent misery, what, what do you think is contributing to it? It's a, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating question, and I've devoted my life's work to try and, and deal with what in engineering we like to call wicked problems. Wicked problems are those really complex problems that have lots of inputs and nobody owns the, the whole process. And, you know, it's a, it's a career dissatisfaction across the world, but especially in the developed world where people have different reasons for working. That is a wicked problem. And, I, you know, there's so many things that contribute to that, and, and I think you're, you're right on, Ken. I mean, when we look at the data, of course, depending on who asks the question what the survey results are, uh, you know, people in North America are either satisfied or somewhat satisfied or not very satisfied in their work. Um, Gallup, I know, published a very influential study showing a very small fraction of people uh, engaged, truly engaged at work. I mean, the numbers were very low, like in the 20s. And, and so it's a, such a great question, and why are people silently suffering? And, you know, I, I, there's so many contributing factors, but let me put this one out there. And I see this now when we do work bringing career management into organizations where, let's face it, the, the majority of Canadians and Americans are employed right now. Unemployment rate is six point something. And so, you know, the 94% of people are employed. And so it's so interesting to see in organizations how career management happens. And what, what I've noticed is that people feel very disempowered. They don't see, they don't take on that 
ownership of their career, and they kind of let things happen. They're in reactive mode instead of proactive mode. They think that mm. somehow their manager or their organization is going to tell them what to do, and so they can suffer silently, as you've just said, and, and feel very discouraged when so-and-so just got that job that they thought that they should have gotten. And, and you know, I, I spoke to a, a well-known UK um, academic and career management expert, Wendy Hirsch, and I put it to her. I said, Wendy, what do you think the balance is between, um, you know, the organization's role in managing somebody's career and the individual's role? And if we were to break it down into percentage, what do you think it is? And, I, you know, I didn't know what she was going to say. She said 70-30. 70% is your job as an individual to manage your career for the future, whether you're employed or in transition or whatever. And yes, 30%, there is a role for your organization to play, and, and we like to support that role. And there's a hundred things to do to help organizations do better at that, including teaching managers how to have career conversations in the workplace, which we do. But on the, on the individual side, how can we empower people to say, yes, 70, 80%, whatever the number is, that's my job. So therefore, what are my skills? What are my desires? What are my personal qualities? What are meaningful possibilities that would really help me leave that kind of silent suffering and truly thrive in the workplace? And I think people are pretty lost at how to do that. And I'd like to say that the richness of their stories is the place to begin and learning from their narratives, what are their strengths, what are their desires, and drawing on those stories in organized and systematic ways to help them clarify future directions, generate possibilities, and then to have that courageous conversation with their boss about that and, and try and navigate their way forward. Well, one of the things I wanted to make sure that the listeners are um, picking up from your comments, Mark, is that, you know what, uh, you are 100% responsible for your life in uh, – paying attention to it. Yes, okay, I've got this miserable job or whatever, but who said yes to the job? And I do recall having lunch with Dick Bowles, and I, you probably will support this, Mark, but you know, I asked him that same question. And you know, his response was, you know, as the author of What Color Is Your Parachute, is that people weren't willing to do the work. So your story in your you know, engineering is you paid attention to that moment of misalignment, and then over time you acted on it. And the other thing is, Mark, um, I just want to go back for a second because you probably have an insight for the listeners. You had invested all this effort and expertise to be an engineer. What did it take to let go of that track? Because sometimes people are tracked by this sort of obligation where I've invested all of this time in this space. So they, 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 have the, they feel this sort of commitment to this wrong railroad track. What did it take for you to free you from that hold, that grasp? Yeah, th thanks, Ken. I, I, you know, I, I've actually had some recent insights about that very question. The first thing I want to say in response is that we always build on or expand in our careers. And you can, um, here's a word for, for listeners that many have found helpful. Um, the word is redeploy. Redeploy your, sk your skills, your strengths, your knowledge in new places. Um, and, and the word that scares people that I try and back away from is this word reinvent. Reinventing yourself seems like a lot of work. Like your, your comments about Dick Bowles, 
you know, people don't want to do the work. It just seems so hard. And to reinvent yourself is like, oh, I got to start from square one. Whereas, hey, I'm, I'm moving forward with a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge that can transfer. And despite many of us in the career management community trying to emphasize this notion of transferable skills and strengths, it has not fully caught on. And I think that's, uh, that's an answer to my story, and I'll tell you how, uh, but I think it's the answer to so many people's stories. And, you know, we even mm-hmm. try to, to define our terms. We even use a definition that, that I've published in numerous places in book chapters and articles for your career. Your career is the full expression of who you are and how you want to be in the world, and it keeps on expanding as it naturally goes through cycles of stability and change. And that definition includes the notion of expanding. So even if people feel like, gee, I was an engineer and now I'm throwing that all away to be a career development expert, that's not useful, right? Expanding, I'm building on everything that I used and learned and understood from from that engineering career or that law career or that teaching career or whatever it is that listeners have in their background. And I'm going to take that investment Yes, I'm going to pivot. Yes, I'm going to move it into a different place. Um, but then it's my job to figure out how to redeploy those skills and strengths. And, and I can tell you that I have done so. I, d- I wasn't as clear as I am now about it, but at the beginning, even back in, in counseling psychology school, I started to notice that I had some unique perspectives from the system's mindset and problem-solving approach mm. that was quite different from my peers. And, you know, sure enough, I found channels for that to develop this narrative method of practice and narrative assessment system. So, so I did that. Then, you know, the last piece I want to say, just recently I connected with um, one of the leaders of Engineers Without Borders. Many listeners are familiar with Médecins Sans Frontières, the Doctors Without Borders. So there's an equivalent organization mm. called Engineers Without Borders, and it's very active in Canada. Mm. And, and they've been really working hard to... to kind of come up with a new vision for engineering in Canada. It's very impressive work. It's called Engineering Change Lab. And the guy who uh, leads it is a fellow called Mark Abbott. I actually co-presented at Connexus last year with him. And I asked him to present because I wanted him to share how you can change a whole field the way he's changing engineering. And one of the stories he tells, in engineering anyways, is he draws a picture of a bridge, you know, a really great metaphor and icon for engineers. And he said, traditionally on this side of the bridge, engineers have been busy solving technical problems. And and society perceives engineers as technical problem solvers. And on the other side of Mm -hmm. the bridge are these social problems, the wicked social problems, even like a career dissatisfaction social problem. And that what we're finding is that there's room to cross the bridge for many, especially young engineers, and we work with them, career cycles, we, we team up with the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers, and we offer career management help to many engineers. We've worked with hundreds, if not a thousand engineers, and I hear that more and more. Young engineers are seeking meaningful work, and sometimes the technical problem solver mantle is not enough for them. And I feel the same way, and that I've crossed the bridge. I think I was just a little ahead of the gang, and I crossed that bridge over mm-hmm. to solving the wicked social problems, but have not left my engineering roots behind. People sometimes ask me, how did it feel to leave engineering? Now I feel like, you know, I just crossed the bridge. I'm using everything that I took, albeit in mm. different ways, and I'm not solving differential equations anymore. Um, but I am using it, and I want to I wanna say to listeners, I've been able to 
leverage my investment in my education and experience, because that was your word, Ken, investment. And I'd like to encourage all listeners to see that as leveraging their investment and not seeing it as a waste um, of time, which I, f- I feel so bad when people say that. I hear that sometimes. Oh, that was a waste of four years. And, you know, I want to reframe that into how can we leverage that investment moving forward. Well, what you're doing, and that is so important. Thank you for that, Mark. That everybody listening here is, and I've, I've written some notes here as you're talking, is that rather than this framework of a fear of loss, I move towards uh, a mindset of gain. And, you know, somebody asked me, I grew up on a dairy farm. You know, that's pretty close to a professional speaker. <laughs> but we had the problem solve, and I actually went into sales, and then I started my company in sales training, which was a natural transition of the strengths that I had back then. So it's interesting you're encouraging people that I'm not leaving it behind. I'm not abandoning it. I'm taking that, and I love this word here, full expression, is I'm taking that and I'm moving all of that expertise, all that experience into a redeployment. And uh, I love that, uh, that language, Mark, that you're using for individuals. I'm just going to share a short story to support your story, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. A friend of mine was a medical doctor, and I was coaching him on career paths, but he didn't like the medical profession. I said, well, why did you go into it? And he said, well, it was really pressure from my folks to go down this track. And he said, just the, the whole medical mindset and what was going on, it wasn't him. But you know what he's doing now, Mark? He's a coach to medical doctors. So who better to around stress, stress management, practice management, systems thinking, uh, really for them to have business acumen in their uh, practice? Who better to coach them to somebody who actually knows the profession? So there's a place where he shifted, but he didn't abandon. Nice. And now all of a sudden, he, he's you know, ten years later, he's he's absolutely thriving and one of the core experts in that field where the doctors will tr- uh, trust the doctor around their own health, their own wellness, their own um, strategic development. Nice. So that would be I, an I example think that, of I your think those stories. Are, those stories are key to share, Ken, and I appreciate your sharing it. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard so many stories like that with clients and, and career buzz guests as well. And, and sometimes, you know, that key conversation um, and, and listeners can help their friends and coworkers and loved ones because sometimes you, you hear that. I, I don't know about you, Ken. I walk into a restaurant and I try and just tune in a little bit. What are people talking about? And, you know, my very in unscientific uh, survey says that pretty much people are either complaining about their personal relationships or complaining about their jobs, you know. And, and mm. there's so much complaining going on, and maybe I'm a little... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of a sidebar to the typical stories because as a career management firm, you know, we hear people who are at a place where they finally hit a spot where they're dissatisfied. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is a common complaint and people worry about just letting go of all of that. And it's interesting you shared the story of the physician. I know I've had several physicians. We do some work with the Ontario Medical Association. Um, and, and sometimes we have physicians in really difficult circumstances if they've had their license 
uh, suspended or revoked, and they're forced to redeploy into something different. Mm. And so we've seen these stories with physicians, just as you have, um, and, and with business people, and sometimes those choices happen because we make them and it's time for me to be proactive, which I really encourage, but unfortunately, mostly, people wait for the, the crisis to hit and then they have to figure it out and that's where the urgency comes. So better, better to have, I think, career management as a kind of checkup, you know, like you go to your doctor for a checkup and keep your career healthy. After all, we spend over 100,000 mm-hmm. hours across a lifespan in our careers um, rather than waiting for the crisis to hit. I haven't figured out how to get people to do that, Ken. Maybe you have some ideas. People wait for the crisis, and that's where we often hear from our clients. I'm still working on how you get the career management healthy checkup well, well. to happen every year. Host a podcast and encourage people to take action, which, which is – if we can transition, and I, and I appreciate that, Mark, if we can transition to, you know, we think about all of you that are listening, and uh, many of you are very satisfied and happy in your life, but you want to kind of take it to another level. Or there are others, if the stats are correct, there's a percentage listening who really want to tune up their life. They want to get into this place of, of fulfillment and full expression and really being and living on purposes the language I use. What would you say, Mark, to the the listeners out there? What are a few strategies that you can share in the, you know, the, the sort of 10 minutes we have left in the show of what can I do? If, if I'm listening to this, what are some things that you can leave with me as tips to take action, to fine-tune? And I will say this one thing before Mark starts with his expertise and that is is that we have to take, first of all, we have to take responsibility that your life is a reflection of your choices. And uh, the sin of omission also applies, <laughs> meaning what I chose not to do also will affect me. So that being notwithstanding, Mark, what would be some uh, steps that you could share with the listeners today of me just kind of moving towards uh, a redeployment, redefinement, or even just affirmation that I am the right place? Yeah, great. I mean, there's so many things that people can do. Let let me see if I can organize a a response in three areas of one's own mindset, um, using one's stories, and accessing help. And and the mindset, I think you said it right in the question there. I mean, I think one of the key mindsets is, hey, I am in charge of my life and career. And the 70-30 that Wendy Hirsch told me that, you know, we're – 70% 70% responsible for our careers if we're working in an organization. You know, without that being exact science, the majority of the responsibility lies with me. And so not to get backed into that feeling of they're, they're doing it to me. You know, they're not allowing me to progress. They're not letting this happen. And, and instead saying, well, wait a second, what do, what do I want? And wearing that mindset of positivity, which is hard because we have a negativity bias as humans. And we, you know, the, the positive things seem to go past us, but the negative things stick with us and we focus mm-hmm. on them and people can ruminate about negative problems. And that turns out, as we learn from positive psychology, to really be an obstacle. Um, So your own mindset um, can limit not only your ability to figure stuff out, it can limit even the success that you can get when you work with a helping professional. And and research on counseling Mm. outcomes has shown that, um, you know, there's three things that contribute to a good helping uh, conversation. 
with a helping professional. One is, you know, the, the strength of the therapeutic alliance. The other is the modality or the tools or methods. But the third is the client's own resources. And that accounts for something like 40% of, of outcomes. And so what we find in, in narrative or storytelling is that when people start to feel good because they're telling stories, they engage in this phenomenon that Barbara Fredrickson calls broaden and build, broaden and build. And what that means is when you start to feel better, your positive emotions, your affect, your positive affect increases, you start to broaden your possibilities. Mm -hmm. In other words, you can see more career options or possibilities for your life, and it builds your internal resources of confidence and hope and resilience. And so... I hope that's a helpful... Yeah, the book Grit talks about that as well, right? So just uh, internal resilience. Yeah, I mean, you know, Barbara Fredrickson has written extensively on it, and um, Carol Dweck has also written on mindset, uh, the, the growth mindset concept. So you see a lot of that, and I think part of what people can do is recognize their own mindset and do things that actually make them feel better, even in the moment, which engages this broaden and build phenomenon. And, and when you're there, one of the things we've really found that helps people shift their mindset is storytelling. And, and let me add the flip side of storytelling, which is story listening. And I've been trying to talk about that skill of story listening. There's a wonderful uh, TED Talk that listeners can check out from Avi Kluger, K-L-U-G-E-R. He's also created some excellent um, narrative performance management tools called uh, Feed Forward. I mean, he talks about how the quality of the story listening improves the quality of the storytelling. I mean, it doesn't seem like rocket science, but there's research that supports it. Mm -hmm. If you're engaged with somebody in telling a story, whether it's a work story or whatever it is, um, and I think everybody relates to it. If, if you feel like somebody's really paying attention to you and really listening and not sidetracking the story, then you feel like your own storytelling is more authentic and you want to share more. So the storytelling is really supported by good story listening. And, and this doesn't have to be a paid helping professional. You can do this with friends and family. And, and trying to share stories, you know, what was a time that you felt great at work? Now, that's an interesting story topic. Of course, there's millions of story topics, but, you know, imagine two people sitting there. One person says, uh, you know, hey, tell me about the best a time that you felt great at work. And you'll notice, I'll, I'll give you a few sequence of questions here, and listeners can try this out at home or in, their, in the bar next time they're having a drink with their friend. Um, and this is, this is based on the feed-forward model. And it's one question sequence. And then if you ask about a best time at work, and then you say, how did you feel at the peak moment? Right? There's always a peak moment in the story. How did you feel? What were you thinking at the peak moment? And then you can start talking about the supports. Well, how did you yourself support that moment? You know, what did you do to get yourself into that great moment? What did your manager do to help you get there? And what did your organization do to support you? And, and those three questions really make you think a little bit more deeply. It's thicken in the narrative um, therapy community. They talk about thin stories and thick stories. Thickening stories adds depth mm. and emotional content. And, and then finally, when you see all of these things like, oh, gee, when I was really engaged at work, that was when I was doing well. When I sought input from my manager, that was when I was doing well. When I followed the values of the organization and thought deeply about them, I was doing well. And those can all be signposts to feed forward into your next 
step at work. And a final question would be, how can what we've learned here from this story help you generate meaningful possibilities for your future, whether in the organization or beyond? And, and that little sequence is, is a storytelling sequence. And people find it very engaging. We've created dozens of these storytelling sequences of questions that we've incorporated both into a game experience and also into a web application called the Online Storyteller. Um, but we do it mostly one-on-one -on -one in helping conversations. And, and that's a narrative assessment approach to help people start talking about their stories. But then most importantly, I, I, you know, metaphorically, I call it squeezing the juice out of, out of your stories. What does this story say about your strengths that you might want to redeploy, as we spoke earlier? What does this say about your desires for the future? What does this story say about your personal qualities? And, and I was really pleased, Ken, to read one of your recent newsletters where, you know, I know there's, there's a place for assessments and there's a place for conversation about the results, and you are really emphasizing the need for that important conversation. And, and the beauty of stories is you get these elements in the client's own words, which I find is most powerful. Well, you enjoy what you're doing, Mark. And not to, of course, everybody listening knows that CRG has all these assessments and tools in our proprietary models around values, around personality, around self-worth or wellness or any one of those. And it's really in concert with those, in partnership with those, not independent of any method that it moves me towards that clarity. But one of the things, you know, and, and I talk about it in my book, The Quest for Purpose as well, is, and I, the words I use, Mark, is life leaves clues. And do, am I paying attention to them? And you're, what you're doing is I'm just, I'm peeling back the onion. I'm looking closer. I'm looking more carefully at all these things and then taking responsibility and say, oh, wow, that was, that was a meaningful event that I had many years ago and I, I didn't even really recall it or I didn't even think about it. So thank you for all that information yeah, about and, that. And I, and I love your, you know, I love that, that word clues. We actually use a lot in, in terms of our model. We've integrated that. So I love that you're using it. And, and I, I think clues can also be what we learn. So I'm all for self, self development and understanding self. And I, I'm all for it. And I found as clients come to us with assessments that they've done, that there is a role to, to both, um, utilize what you learn from them and integrate them into a narrative. And, and that's mm. what we've learned. And I know, uh, Ken, you know my co-founder of One Life Tools, Rich Feller, and he and I have been working on these narrative assessment tools. He's also been involved in a number of assessments, including an aptitudes assessment. And we sometimes use that with clients too. And we find that you know, as long as you can integrate into a more holistic picture all of the results mm -hmm. you get from narrative and from assessments, then you know it, then everybody benefits and i think it's a really useful way to to bring in desire strengths personal qualities assets all the things that we might get from both stories and assessments and integrate them and that's exactly um how we've approached it is that it's integrative and it's uh you know the whole is greater than the sum of the parts absolutely and it's interesting there's other research mark that uh, i can always forward to you and to the listeners too that um, validates what you said, and that was research around people who know their core values and what it did to them. It lowered their stress levels. It increased their decision-making capabilities. It actually uh, fortified their willpower around uh, their decisions, and, and it really removed uh, the word that I've written down here is ambiguity. 
So in clarity comes confidence. And that's what you're talking about. When I know about this career, when I've written it out, when I'm owning this, then the confidence in my decision, my confidence in my life increases in all these other factors. I mean, uh, what you talked about, hope, uh, learned optimism, you know, proved that as well in a 25-year study. That not only mindset, but the fact that I'm optimistic highly influences my growth in life. And the other one that you said earlier in the show, and I just want to encourage people that are listening, what Mark was sharing with you, is that I'm constantly expanding. (laughs) Sometimes the story hasn't been written yet. And so you don't even know that you don't know that you don't know. I mean, the Jahari window has been around in our profession for 50 plus years is that for some of you listening, you don't even know. You have something that is just going to ignite you, and you are about to discover it. So, And it's nobody's fault. It's just this constant and continuous expanding, which is very, very exciting. Absolutely. And, and, and all of that can help us lead, as you say, can a life of purpose and passion. And I think the first step of that, as, as we call it, in a, in a kind of two-step approach, a clarification step, learning from stories, learning from assessments, and, and the output of that using a kind of forward-looking career statement, then to navigate an exploration. And I'm all for exploration and noticing clues and taking inspired action and being ready to pivot because sometimes what you think you're going to like isn't, uh, isn't as you thought. Sometimes there's a notion of miswanting mm. out there from Gilbert and Wilson, you know, where you, you thought you wanted it and then you got there and it turns out you don't like what you wanted way back when. That notion of miswanting t- tends to be very interesting to people studying this field. So getting clear about your desires and checking them out. You know, I call that theory and evidence. You have a theory that you would like standing up mm. in front of a group of teenagers mm. teaching, teaching grade 10, you know, and then you go and you check it out and you go, oh, my goodness, that's not quite what I thought it was. So, so checking things out, exploring, we call that intentional exploration. And all of that leads people to making well-informed choices. And I think that's what we're about. It's back to how do you solve that silent misery that you were mentioning earlier um, you know, the world is uncertain and we can't know for sure. We can't get rid of all that ambiguity, but surely there's a difference between an 80%, you know, fit with that job or that career versus a 20% fit. And, and I'm all for supporting people to make those well-informed choices and then being able to pivot and learn and, and continue to grow and expand as circumstances change. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Mark. Mark, if they want, if the listeners want to learn more about what you do, can you uh, carefully and slowly <laughs> share your sort of contact websites that you have that uh, so listeners can uh, reach out to you if they wish to? Sure thing. Thanks. So the practice is called Career Cycles, where we work one-on-one with individuals and, and uh, we meet people in their organization. So that is Career Cycles, plural cycles. CYCLES.com, and, and that's where our team of associates work out of Toronto and Vancouver to support individuals and organizations. Then the, the company that I co-founded with Rich Feller is called One Life Tools at OneLifeTools.com, and that's now about scaling up, so helping professionals who might be listening, HR professionals, counselors, coaches, advisors, um, seeking narrative tools and narrative assessment methodologies. That's where the Who You Are Matters game and the info is there, as well as the web application called the Online Storyteller and the training. So that's OneLifeTools.com. 
Um, I've been teaching this course at the University of Toronto, and if anybody's listening and curious about that, it's through this fascinating institute called ILEAD, I-L-E-A-D, ILEAD stands for the um, Institute for Leadership, Education, and Engineering. And you would find the course there called Engineering Careers. Um, and Google ILEAD and UToronto. Um, and then we have this um, Career Buzz podcast, Ken, that you had mentioned. Um, that's actually broadcast live in the greater Toronto area from 89.5 FM. And listeners around North America or anywhere where you're listening, you can actually listen live online. You don't need to be in the greater Toronto area. That broadcast Wednesday is 11 till noon. And uh, that's Eastern Time Zone, Wednesdays 11 till noon. And um, you can listen to it live at CIUT.FM, CIUT.FM. And, of course, we, we build the podcast and share it. It's available on iTunes and SoundCloud. And all of the recordings are also at CareerCycles.com slash radio. So that's back to our original uh, practice, CareerCycles.com slash radio. Um, and I think that does it. Well, thank you, Mark. Now, I always like to have our guests uh, share sort of like uh, just a, a piece of wisdom, a parting uh, statement or two for the listeners to encourage them as they depart, and then I wrap up. So what would that be? What would you say to people that have been listening today uh, as sort of your departing statement, Mark? Nice. I, at the end of my radio show, I ask a similar question. It sometimes stops people in their tracks. <laughs> you know, uh, we've talked about so much here, Ken, and it, I've been scribbling words down about um, purpose and passion. And, you know, I guess, I guess one of the main messages that I'd like to share on the theme of today's talk is this idea of really using what you've got in new ways. And, you know, my story, if it's inspirational to anybody, to pick up a, an engineering career and move it into career development while still maintaining that identity, you know, I would say there are skills, knowledge, um, elements of clarity that you have. Um, and it may not be readily evident until you start talking about your stories and then you realize some of those highlights, some of those things that you've gained from your stories. And, and highlighting those so that you have them that you can look at clearly. I'm a big fan of writing it down. Let's look at it. And then mm -hmm. you have content there that you can say, gee, how may I use this moving forward? And if you have a few ideas, maybe it's idea one and two, then you can say, how, if I followed path one or path two, might any of this good stuff that I have in my background be utilized in meaningful ways to redeploy those skills and strengths, avoiding that, that scary word of reinvent and sticking more with the redeploy, reuse, um, and that idea that your career keeps on expanding as it naturally goes through cycles of stability and change. Well, thank you, Mark. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, very, very much appreciated. That was great, Ken. Really appreciate being on the podcast with you today. Appreciate your work out there. And I know it's so much work to do these podcasts. And, you know, having done some of that before, I also know how, uh, you know, it's a bit of a, a labor of love there. And I can hear your, your excitement for doing these podcasts in your voice. So I appreciate the opportunity. Good for you for getting this great stuff out there. Well, yeah, thank you. And, and appreciate I'll, I'll just give some uh, departing words to our guests here, uh, Mark, as we wrap up. 
you know, if you've been listening and you like what we're doing, if you appreciate, you know, Mark's insight and wisdom and some of those items that can help some friends of yours, just please share, pass it on. And if you have an opportunity to leave a positive comment on one of the platforms, if it's iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever it is these days where it goes out to, then please do so. And we thank you very much for being a listener and participating in the podcast today as uh, our most valuable uh, individual as a guest and a listener. You've been listening to Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.